Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's a beautiful morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me as always of this week and a new part of our team, super producer Aubrey, who you guys got to hear uh, on this podcast for the first time yesterday. Aubrey, how you doing? Oh, better than yesterday. I'm a little more prepared, as you can see. Uh, no hat on. You can actually see that I have hair. So now it's there, a little more believable. I got contacted by a uh, reality dating show. Yes, I can say Aubrey, who was contacted by the Love is Blind staff, for their potential Charlotte season as my father, Michael senior, who is with us here, dad and I are in South Bend. And yeah, dad, I didn't get to tell you that. Wow. Uh, we were discussing dad, obviously uh, lives and breathes the reality dating uh, scene with <laughs> yes. us just because my mom and sister have made him watch it for so long. Pretty much. But uh, yeah, Aubrey got contacted by the love is blind producers for the upcoming Charlotte season. So w would you go on that? I highly thought about it, um, but it seemed like after they found out that I, too, was a producer uh, and you could not play the player, they didn't want me anywhere. Oh, yeah. They, were, the, oh. they were trying to sell her the dream in the pitch meeting, and then once she dropped the bomb on them, she's like, no, I do this, too. Yeah, this is what I do. Yeah, It yeah, was okay. a mutual breakup, like everyone says. <laughs> yeah, so... so what was there was there a thought to not telling them you were a producer and trying to weave Ooh. your way in that way? Yeah, a lawsuit. Oh. <laughs> See, that that's why that's why Good you point. don't get asked to do this stuff yeah. because without mom there to tell you, you would end up getting your ass. I in. would just wildly say yes to shit and lie my way through <laughs> it. And then until I got found out later, yeah, and got sued. Wow, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. So so now she's going to be our inside person. If there is someone she knows from the Charlotte area who makes us onto the season, then we're going to have someone who can kind of be our mole inside this reality yeah. dating scene. Like that would XOXO be awesome. Gossip Girl. 
Sure. But well, don't you have to sign? I would imagine you have to sign all kind of things to not give shit away, right? I mean, you, yeah, you, I, they, I mean, they leave the pods eventually. So how many? See, I, I'm not, I've only watched the first season. There is a, there have been two, three. This There's been the three. three. Did anybody? Did the anybody of the two marriages in Love Is Blind the first season stay married? I promise you, I've not researched that. Oh, have absolutely which is no stunning idea. because you are a dive deep into into episodes of shit. After you see it, I just move on to the next one. You go into the dark web. I do that for the things that deserve it. Reality dating shows are hardly the place. Honestly, I get a lot of my insider reality dating show stuff from Mina Kimes, who is just much smarter and more researched than me at everything. And so she'll be the one that's up on what's being said on Reddit about these different things and kind of pass along that information to me. So she's my go-to for actual sourced information. Okay. <laughs> I just watch these shows and consume them like an idiot. Yeah, I, that's all I do. Watch. I can them tell and- you I looked up the Wikipedia and it looked very much like the um, like the actual statistics where it's like 50% divorce rate. It Sounds it, about it, right. Didn't really yeah, I, I know for sure because there's only two couples that got married. I know for sure one didn't make it, and I think one broke up and started dating another. Yes, yeah, in that, which Ooh. is not shocking either. Spicy. So. No, I yeah. mean that's yeah. usually what you always see on Love Is Blind is when they come out of the pods and then everyone sees the person right. they were talking. Then about. they splinter off into who they really want to be with. Them. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing yeah. as uh, Aubrey dubbed it yesterday how all that love bombing can suddenly go to shit when you're presented with the real life outline of a person that you were once talking. Things to. will always blow up when you love bomb. Write that down. <laughs> Write that down. Uh, we got a great show uh, today. We are doing a mailbag podcast, so we'll have a bunch of questions that you guys tweeted at us. At Gojo Show on Twitter is where you can get all of those. Got some exciting news out of the NCAA as well, and we'll get some picks heading into the weekend. Also, a little bit of a housekeeping here going into the next two weeks. Now, normally we are a Monday through Friday, five-day-a-week podcast. We appreciate everyone that downloads, subscribes rates and reviews and has spent most of or some of every day with us along the way since we started this in may because we've had brandon on the move because we've got the holidays coming up we know everyone's busy for the next two weeks around christmas we are going to release three podcasts a week so monday wednesday and friday for the next two weeks around the christmas holiday and those podcasts are going to be a little bit different format little more evergreen some of our favorite guests some of our favorite people that we've had around the show coming back to do some standalone ones there and so we're very excited we think you'll love to hear from some of the people that we've put together in these different mix of people in sports people that have been on this podcast before uh and all the above and so a little bit of a change in the workflow so if it's not hitting your uh apple podcast or spotify playlist podcast every day this is why for the next couple weeks so am i still just kind of the filler uh, kind of my role yeah you know like you're like a um a really comfortable chair you know you're you're part of the room so much that sometimes you just blend in so much to forget you're even there huh? that's not where my mind went i thought filler and i was like mcrib like he's like a special edition only oh, around. There you go. Wow. Only around. Like <laughs> oh you're like a shamrock shake oh that's yeah. a better spin i like that i like a shamrock that's on brand, oh, i do too. like I, I do like a, co- a comfy chair 
So yeah, I'm gonna say there's nothing wrong with being a comfy chair, reliable, dependable. We're staring at the chair that I, I literally just looked yeah. around the room that we're in in your South Bend house for a comp there, so you can tell it was that deep. There is that chair. That's my chair. That I is love great. That chair. That's what I mean. I look, <laughs> at, I, look at, I look at that chair and I think of you. The way uh-huh. that in every house that we've ever lived in, there is one recliner that you populate at a higher pace and degree than everybody else. I was just about to ask, is it like classic dad chair? Like there's like a sink in the middle. There might be like a little head, like, Oh yeah. It's, it's formed fitted to my body without question. (laughs) It's when I lay back and I end up closing my eyes and, and I'll I'll fall asleep. And all they do then is take pictures of me and then tweet them out of me sleeping in a chair. We used to throw Fritos into your mouth. You're, You're just mean. You're mean kids. We You're are mean. mean kids. I learned it by watching you. You're mean. You're mean. <laughs> it, uh, it usually happened on uh, nights like tonight, too. So full transparency, we are recording this towards the tail end of Thursday night football to release on Friday morning. And this is actually normally when my dad would be falling asleep because <laughs> as we are watching right now, the 49ers are up pretty big on the Seahawks uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, right as I say that, Kenneth Walker looks yeah, like he's about so to break for a touchdown. So house, we'll, yeah. we'll kind of we'll put a bow on on <laughs> yeah. that here in a second, and, and why it ties into the weekend. But it was always these nights where I would be staying up to watch a game when I was living back with you guys when I first started working at ESPN and first got back to Connecticut. That I would be down watching games. Mom would go up to bed and she would ask you, who was already half asleep, if you were going to come up, and you say, "No, I'm going to watch the game with Mike." As you proceeded to watch the inside of your eyelids for a quarter and a half. I, I, Why is I, every dad the same? It's like- <laughs> here's here's the thing. I close my eyes, but I'm listening and I'm taking in all the information, so I'm still getting everything I need to be, you know good on air the next day knowing what i'm talking about i don't think osmosis works that way <laughs> for human beings but whatever i applaud your effort uh on that end and this game would be a good one to keep people up it is one of uh going into this week as we get to now week 15 in the nfl uh we're at the point where we've got clinching scenarios right. in the nfl this weekend one of them is the thursday night game here uh the 49ers have a chance to clinch just with a win over the seahawks they are joined by the kansas city chiefs who can win the AFC West with a win or a Chargers loss this weekend, the Bills, who can clinch with a win over the Dolphins, the Cowboys, who can clinch with a win or with losses by Seattle and Washington or Detroit, and the Vikings, who can clinch the North with a win or a Viking or a, a Lions loss. I think the best thing about this is last week when we were going through these scenarios, I don't think it might have been only Minnesota. Minnesota was the only with one that, only could, clinch one that could clinch with a win. Everybody else, it was like, you needed 10 things to happen. Oh, yeah. And I stopped reading after two because the shit, it's just not going to happen. So now I'm, I'm glad all these coming up this week, these are just win and you're in. Yes, I would say they're win ors. Yeah, so win or not win con- and. Yeah, yeah everyone yeah. controls their own right. destiny or could get in with a little bit of help, right. which makes life a lot easier. So we talked a lot about the Bills-Dolphins matchup yesterday. That'll certainly be a big one of those there. Everyone's excited about the snow game. Where are you at in the snow game? I took a lot of heat. I went on with the Dan Levitard show yesterday, and Chris Whittingham, their producer, said that he believed that every cold-weather city should be mandated to have a dome. Oh, he needs to shut the hell up is what he needs to do. I mean, listen, while I, I, I agreed with it knee-jerk because it was 6 a.m. Pacific, and I was coming in, I was rolling in hot. I do not have a problem with the idea because in general, I think cold weather games are highly overrated for the people playing in them. I, I don't think they're a good time. Well, then I, I was an exception because I would give me 10 degrees over 90 degrees any day well, of the week. That's not the binary, any, though. Any day of the week. And 
give me snow, give me rain. I say this and people laugh, but I'm 99% serious. Okay. I, even though I did play for nine years in the league, I was not one of the better athletes in the league. So if there was shitty weather, be it rain, be it snow, be it cold, be it wind, especially if it was snow or, or a sloppy track, the better athletic people came closer to my level. So, and, and that was the truth. I mean, you had really good off athletic offensive linemen that all of a sudden couldn't do the things they wanted to because of shitty weather. And you look at receivers couldn't run their routes as well. I mean, everybody had to kind of keep your, 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 your footing a little different. So they all kind of slowed down to my pace a little bit. And, and I, I never got bugged by the cold at all, ever. My thing is like you anyway. <laughs> is that, is a, that a Taylor Swift song? No, that's like a, a uh, that's from uh, Let It uh, Let It Go from the Oh Frozen. Frozen. Oh jeez. I just my to memory's me, not that good. Other teams have to play in this weather, so you should just get used to it. I don't think anybody should have special treatment. It's, people should have domes because other people can't can't play in the snow. I think you should just be used to all climates. Well, I think so. From a player's perspective, you're right, Aubrey, in that, like, yeah, we've grown up football. Part of the appeal is it's an outdoor sport. You've got to handle the elements. Play it's not like anything. basketball. You've yep. got to be able to kind of roll with it and play in anything. My thought process specifically for a team like Buffalo that got brought up in this conversation is the way you've built your team. They're the air raid bills. You want to be able to go out there and move this thing faster, a downfield passing offense that doesn't have much of a run game to speak of. So why would you want to willingly slow yourself down? That's maybe not the way you're always going to be built. The ebbs and flows in the NFL will always change. But then part two of this is if you're thinking about the fan experience, we've seen and talked about attendance dwindling on almost every level for a while now. If you give a better experience for fans coming into the arena where they know I'm going to be dry, temperature-controlled environment, much more enjoyable situation the way we see in a lot of these new stadiums, maybe you are doing more to entice fans to continue to come in person and spend their money there. Buffalo games are packed. I'm not saying just Buffalo. I mean, those people are built different all-stars. Well, a lot <laughs> has to do with the season as well. You know, like, I, like I'm going to Cleveland to do the game. It's an outdoor. It's going to be cold, and Cleveland's not going to make the playoffs. So if it's shitty weather and your team's out of it, e even if it was nice weather and your team's out of it, I guess you'd be more apt to go right. if it's nice, nice, nicer weather. But, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it for that. I mean, this is a $15 billion business. That's not going to make me throw a dome on a stadium to hope a few more thousand people show up. That That's not going to affect you, my pocketbook enough. I think you underestimate how much those owners are constantly looking for any little edge that they can get. Okay, what about, like, retractable? So, like, my, my first NFL game ever was the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. And then, um, you know, they had Lucas Oil way better, obviously. But, like, I could deal with retractable. Retractable would be nice, best of both worlds. I, I will say, because I do concede that for some people there is a nostalgia. Maybe part of my aversion to snow is the fact that my snow games at Notre Dame when I was here were ones that were a little bit more forgettable. The student right. section throwing snowballs at, at us guys, when we lost yeah. to Syracuse. I still haven't forgot that shit. And I mean this. Fuck you guys who threw snowballs yeah. at us. Yeah, they did. And kiss my whole ass yeah. X and O. Yeah. Um, 
but ask that's who besides, hurt you, but yeah, no, they, yeah, they, they it's know obvious. who hurt me. They know who they are. <laughs> they know who they, they are. know who exactly who they are. My, my one thing that I absolutely, cause that I'll concede a little bit on is that some people might enjoy snow and it definitely renders well. The thing I will not concede on no cold weather sh- city should ever host the Super Bowl. I agree with that. Ever. I agree with that because when you're getting to a championship game, then nobody should have the advantage, right? If, if, a cold weather team during the playoffs has home field. Well, that's an advantage for them. So they should have that. They earned that. Go ahead and have it. So I have no problem with that. But the Super Bowl, kind of like the in college, the playoffs, be, the, those those should be. Now, well, as we're going to find out in the expanded playoffs, yes. the first couple of rounds are going to be home games, which is cool, too. I'm fine with that. Well, home games or you saw the caveat that they're going to put into this. Home games, or you can choose the closest pro pro stadium stadium around you. you. And so one of the things that got brought up was if you're Ohio State, who thrives on athleticism and wants to turn your guys loose, Lucas Oil's sitting right there for you potentially to go use. And I thought, huh, what an idea, a team wanting to play to its strengths by being in a very climate-controlled indoor environment. Do you think Notre Dame could do the same thing? Absolutely. I mean, hell, it's part of the reason that turf's in Notre Dame Stadium now. Yeah, yeah. It's because one. you wanted to start to get your athletes out there. It wasn't like in 05 when we're growing out the grass to try and slow down Reggie Bush and the USC Trojans. At some point, they were like, all right, well, number one, they wanted to probably be able to do concerts in there, which is why most of the NFL teams love that turf, too. Right, but right. Wanted to work for speed. So do you guys think that Chicago building a new stadium should dome it? I think they will because they want to host yes. a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, because I think if they don't. At yeah. Good. I go back to my, my argument. At least I, retractable. You know what? And I haven't looked this up, but it's a good point. How much more is a retractable dome than a I regular was, dome? Because there's got to be an expense to it, right? So I wonder how much more it is. Because that would seem to be a good answer is right. have a retractable dome. It must be enough for not everyone yeah, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then the, I got the thing too of like the will you, won't you? And then whoever's decision is to open or close the dome always gets dragged through the mud. Right. You it's right. A whole to big have comp- like a team of engineers. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Need a lot of, yeah. But there's a lot of, I mean, look at these new stadiums now. There's so many beautiful, smart stadiums that they've built. Well, now they, when they don't have domes, but it's so fi, it's covered over the top, but it's open on the sides. I kind of like that. It would be less cold in there, right? Yeah, that one's just probably exclusive to a warm weather place where you can do that though. Have an but, indoor, but I mean, but you could you could do that in a, you, so you could still keep it kind of cold if you want that, but you would stop the elements from falling on it to an extent. Right? It might be it might be a compromise. Yeah, it might be a compromise. Either way, I think this weekend for that game, and we talked about it with Marcel Louis Jacques uh, yesterday on the podcast here. I am interested to see how Miami responds to that because that is not a team, and neither are the Bills, really. Their quarterback's more built for those elements. That's not a Bills team that's going to retract and shrink formations and all of a sudden be able to grind out a consistent living on the ground. That's just not who they've been so far. But for Miami, who already seems to have trouble dealing with physicality against their passing game in the last couple of weeks, now that test in an environment that could potentially slow them down, like you mentioned, for the Waddles and Hills of the world, who are already a little beat up is a pretty tall task. You want your eyes to water, get hit really hard in a cold game. Oh, yeah, the hands. I mean, let me tell you. And I did the dumbest thing. I Again, just so dumb. I never wore long sleeves. I, I prided myself on never wearing long sleeves. Which, which, like, honestly is fine to me when you're playing. It's when I was a redshirt freshman going out there, not going to play, 
in a freezing cold oh, yeah, game. Then I and I walked yeah. out with the sleeves and our strength coach, Ruben Mendoza, looked at me and one of the other freshmen was like, what are you doing? Really? Made us go back in and take our oh, sleeves Oh, see, off. That, that, that would be tough. Yeah, that, that would be tough. So to, I could to stand, stand on the yeah. sideline and freeze my yeah. ass off. Yeah, but I did and it was so dumb. It's so dumb to think that's this toughness thing that you shouldn't wear sleeves. My God, I froze my ass off in so many games because of that. It's uh, one of my uh, offensive line mates, Chris Stewart, is from Houston, Texas. Always said always he wore, wore sleeves. He always wore it, said because he wore it in training camp when it was 100 degrees that he got to wear it right. in November yeah, yeah, when fair. it was six degrees. That's too. fair. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that will uh, definitely change the math a little bit on that one. Um, we talked about that one a lot the other day. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust and it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit and Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine again with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. This uh, 49ers game has gone final, so the 49ers have now clinched their playoff spot this season. Can I say something quickly that I heard all the, I guess I'm one of them too, talking heads. Yeah, you're talking head. But when I hear former players last week saying, the 49ers might be better off with Brock Purdy than Jimmy Garoppolo. I I, I want to punch somebody in the face, okay? Now, I covered Brock Purdy at Iowa State. He was a good quarterback there. Broke like 32 school records. He's a good quarterback. He, he's, he played well at the point when they were talking about this for a game and a half. So to sit there and say, yeah, they're better off with him than Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the dumbest statements I have heard in a long time. He may end up being were, a great quarterback. Were there a lot of people saying yeah, that? Yeah, there were more than a f- couple of shows that I listened to that I will they will remain nameless where one person said it, the other person agreed, and there was there was a set of five people and only one person disagreed. And 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 was saying basically what I was saying like it's a game and a half. I mean, are you can everybody else was jumping on the Brock Purdy bandwagon which Maybe he'll be a great quarterback at some point. But that was one of the dumbest statements I have heard in a long time. I mean, my ripping Jimmy Garoppolo is, is 
I, I guess, commonplace. Easy. He took them to a Super Bowl. He helped lead them to a Super Bowl. Last I checked, did were they in the NFC Championship game last year? So, and after that game, when they when they lost that game, he got shoved aside for Trey Lance. I know he's got a real good win loss record, but I hate doing the win loss record yeah. with, on quarterbacks. I think that's ridiculous as well. He's a he's a good to really good quarterback. He can be bad at times, but he can win and he can make some throws. But to sit there and say that this kid who played a game and a half as a rookie, they're better off with him, is a joke. You're, I hope you agree. I, it's the generation of instant gratification. So oh. the second somebody comes in, swoops in, saves the day. I, I mean, there was a tweet where somebody was talking about, um, they were like, Purdy can do things that Garoppolo could never do. Oh. And it's, again. What are you, they? <laughs> yeah, right? Like them. someone, I need someone, a list. Someone tell me what they are. Exactly. Because, again, like you brought up Jimmy getting replaced. I think it's totally fine to go after and try and replace Jimmy with a better, more talented quarterback because of the nature of this offense. It's the exact reason <laughs> you're saying this about Brock Purdy. I saw a stat. Uh, shout out to uh, Sham, Sam Schwartzstein, who does the uh, Amazon Prime video analytics and insights for the Thursday night games. This is about midway through the third quarter, so enough of a sample right. size in the game. And he said Brock Purdy has thrown 62% of his passes to open receivers tonight. So there's a certain yardage threshold of the nearest defender. I think it's about five yards. Head coach Kyle Shanahan has drawn up a great game plan to make it easy for his rookie quarterback and San Fran is control. I said this offense is essentially like the closest you have to remember an Iron Man when the central conflict of the movie was the American government government wanted to make them automated, wanted to make them unmanned, unmanned robot suits. That's more or less what the 49ers offense is. Like, we're getting to the point where you're going to be able to stick. This was the last pick in the draft. Yeah. The dead last pick in the draft. And they plugged him in in the middle of a game, in the middle of the season, and it was able to work. And part of that's coaching, certainly outside of just the play calling. Like, the fact that their third-string quarterback was both dedicated enough as a player to be up on that, but also coached well enough by Kyle Shanahan and that staff to be ready for that moment is a ringing endorsement of everyone involved. But we've seen at this point, Kyle can make it work with pretty much anything back there. He can. Let me go back to something you just said. You have no problem with them replacing Garoppolo with a better quarterback. Who was that? Well, what they thought was Trey Lance. Okay. Keyword thought. Trey Lance is not a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. They did that. Because they drafted him third. Well, no, and they, they, and, and they, they drafted him third because he is a more talented quarterback that they believed in Kyle Shanahan's system they believe. could help them elevate over their ceiling. Right, but it is very similar to the decision. Now, it was forced, but Notre Dame makes in hiring a coach like Marcus Freeman, who you say, all right, we could go get a veteran guy, or we could bring somebody in that we've got here that is young, that we believe could give us upside in certain areas like recruiting. It's a bet on that upside on the back end, and that's what it was with Trey Lance. It's a bet. No, no, no. I agree it's a bet, but but don't tell me Trey Lance is a better quarterback. Don't, 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 it's, don't, it's the idea of a better quarterback. Right, it's right. the thought. It's saying, hey, we know what Jimmy can do. We've we seen think we this think. guy is better, yeah. and, and at this point, they were completely wrong. But well, we don't have enough of a sample size because right. he's gotten hurt, so you can't blame that on Trey Lance at all. Though I did scratch my head a lot when they did it because, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not as sold on Trey Lance as everybody else uh, going, going into this. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got to get a fair chance. 
you know, and he, and he got injured. So, so you, you can't really judge him on that. No, going to be a tough one on that one. By the way, uh, speaking of Brock Purdy, he's kind of a, a theme for the weekend here. Uh, this weekend, uh, as of this weekend, there have been 56 different starting quarterbacks in the NFL so far through 2022 and 48 different quarterbacks have won a game as a starter through week 14. That's tied for the most through 14 weeks in NFL history with 2010, where there were also 56 backup quarterbacks going into the weekend. There are some games like the uh, Cardinals Broncos game where it looks like it's going to be Brett Ripien versus, um, uh, Colt McCoy. Colt, Colt McCoy. McCoy. Colt yeah, McCoy. that's the one. Texas Forever. That's it. But uh, <laughs> you've got games that are going to be in there like that. And then the rest of the weekend, I think, gets interesting because outside of what we've talked about, to me, the other two most interesting games would be the Lions and the Jets squaring yeah. off because I think you've got top – I mean, statistically, I don't think. I know you've got top five NFL offense versus top yes, five NFL do. defense. Yes, you strength, do. It is the best strength-on-strength strength matchup we will see all weekend is this Ben Johnson-coordinated offense in Detroit going up against Rob Sala's defense that's got a front four that's playing with their hair on fire, going to come into this one shorthanded. Quinn and Williams dealing yeah. with the calf injury going to be out is massive for them because you know this as you've got those guys tied up on the edges with that four-man pass rush. It's given Quinn and Williams one-on-one matchups like we saw him dominate with all season long. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that one a, a lot. The Jets are kind of fading a little bit, though. From from a team standpoint, Mike White's got like three ribs left. Going yeah, into good to play still. Uh, you Tough know, as shit. Well, ton listen, of respect listen, for listen. Let let me just say this as well. I have a ton of respect for him too. Don't get me wrong, but I can relate to Mike White. You know, Mike White is a you know a guy who wasn't supposed to be playing right, and now is playing. When you get the opportunity, you do not come off the field. Listen, oh, I I was. A, I was a 10th round draft pick when I got on the field, unless shit was snapped. I wasn't coming off the field. Cause you, you know, this too. Oh, I was going to never know if you're getting back on the field again. So, Hey, credit to Mike white for getting smoked in the ribs and coming back. But I completely understand that mentality of, I ain't coming off the field, man, because I may never get back on again. That's why I always sort of snicker now when I see guys come off the field with stingers. Yep. Because that was oh, the yeah, running was joke thing, yeah. for me during training camp practices because I was a late bloomer and a career backup at Notre Dame until my last two years was any time I would just be out there screaming on the field. Oh, yeah. And I remember my buddy Braxton Cave, who was our center, one time the official came over. It's in a game, and I'm yelling through a, a stinger out there. And the official comes over. He's like, do you need help? And Braxton just goes, nah, this is just what he does. Yeah. yeah. Because that, I knew if I left, I probably I know. wasn't getting the job back. I, I so. know. So, I mean, it's it's a lot and out of fear. Zach, Zach Wilson now back installed as the backup quarterback yeah. this weekend. So, I too, mean, by the way, since Joe Flacco showed – no signs Nothing. of wanting to be there. So, he was full Magic Johnson in that game last week. I ain't going to be here. And so, I mean, that, that there's a reason. You know, Mike White, again, there's toughness to go back on, but he gets it. He to, there are more guys like us than stars in the NFL. There are more oh, yeah. guys that will not want to go off the field knowing full well they may never get back on than there are stars in the league. We just don't always associate them at that position. No, no, we don't. We don't. But you are right. Like, Mike White in the last few games, red zone production hasn't been great for right. them. They've been yep. putting up yards, but not a ton of points in these games. I think they've averaged like 21 points per game in the last three games that he's been in there. And I think 
for them, the biggest thing, too, is Detroit on the other side, defensively getting a lot more confident. We've seen Aiden Hutchinson doing better and better He's as the years well. gone yeah, along. Is. I, I just think strength on strength, I, I trust that Detroit offense a little bit more I right do, now. too. Oh, I, I do, too. Absolutely. I, I If you don't have a, a horse in the race, man, it's so much fun to root for the Lions and Dan Campbell. You know, j- yeah. j- just from hard knocks, you always fall in love with somebody during a hard knocks year. You either hate somebody or love somebody. And I think everybody loved Dan Campbell. You know, and there was talk earlier in the year. Yeah, is he gonna they survive? Lost five in a row. Yeah, is he going to survive through the year? And I kept thinking, man, I hope so because he's fun to fun to watch. But he is turning that team around. They have some talent on that team. I don't know if Jared Goff's going to be the guy that eventually can get him there. Uh, but they're building talent around that. Amazing. What do you think you will be like the hardest thing for each team in this game? So I think for. I think for the uh, for the Jets in this game, I would say it is probably mustering up consistent offense down in the red zone now that this Lions pass rush is coming alive a little bit more. I mean, for the Lions, it is going to be interesting. The Jets have everything you need on defense. Pair of really good young DBs, a front four that can get after you pretty well here. This Lions offense, I think the biggest difference for them is how stout the offensive line's been. Yeah. Decker and Sewell on the bookends, and when they're healthy across the board, it's just such a sturdy group. You turn on the tape and you see such a great, we call it, always call it the dish inside the pocket, right? For an offensive line, centers and guards are supposed to control the depth of the pocket. Right. Tackles are supposed to control the width of the pocket. And Goff just has so much space to operate in there and quite honestly spread the love. You look back at that last game, Amara St. Brown wasn't their leading receiver in that game. It wasn't as big a game as we have been used to seeing. You've seen DJ Chark come along for this, this season and make really big plays. Jamison William, their rookie first-round pick, back healthy, 41-yard teeter on his first play back, right. uh, his first catch in a Lions uniform this season. They've just got so many places they can go with it because they're structurally sound up front, and they've got good weapons and a really good scheme. Like Ben Johnson is calling really good creative offense. They get big personnel-wise to go and pass downfield. They get small to give their offensive line more running lanes up front. I think we'll see a bunch of that against this Jets defensive line potentially. You know when you've got penetrators getting bodies on them, getting quick hitters where you can get little poles, little folds and stuff like that to make seams can be a weapon that you use. I I love the fact that Detroit is a team, if you're trying to get into the playoffs or a certain seating, they're the team you don't want to play. Yes. And right now that's what the Jets are fighting for, right? There's a bunch of seven and six teams that I think New England holds the tiebreaker for right now as the seventh seed, two, four, six, I believe so. Uh, and even the, the Titans are leading the division at seven to six. But then for that last wild card spot, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Jets, all seven and six, man. And Detroit's not the team you want to play. Though there is a great stat out there that Detroit is now six and seven. And in the last four years, there has been a team at one point where six and seven made the playoffs. Yeah, I could the Lions be that team? Now it, it would be tough. I, I think the Lions and the Chargers are very interesting mirrors of one another, at least as far as their position and what they pose in the playoff picture. Because for Detroit, they're in a kind of a hornet's nest with the um with the other teams from the NFC East right now for that last seed, the commandos right. and the Giants. 
and then the commandos, the, the commanders. commanders, the commandos. Well, and you mix the Seahawks in there, who just added another loss. Added another loss. Night. Tampa, who I just have zero faith in. But they're going to win the division, so they're going to be in. They're going to. They're going to win. Oh yeah, that's right. They're, I yeah. did say that. Looking at that playoff thing was uh, misguided right there. Yeah, I just have. The, I just had the conference. It didn't thing have up. the division winners no, up there. No. But uh, you look at the rest of them. Detroit, I think, has uh, like a bottom four in terms of, so say, one of the top four easiest schedules remaining in the NFL, especially amongst the other potential wild card teams in there. They go Jets, Panthers, Bears, and Packers yeah. to finish off the season. Those are all, I mean, dare I say for the Lions, are all winnable. Oh, they're, yeah. they're all winnable. They're, ext- they're extremely winnable. And this team seems to have found a way to turn the corner yeah. right now as a lot of young pieces on defense have grown up. And that offense has been what it's been all year. They've been a top five group all year. They have. They have all year, which was so shocking the one week they got shut out. I was like, wow, that was really weird. (laughs) Speaking of their uh, AFC counterpart, before we get to some mailbag questions here, you think the Chargers can hold off the Titans this week? I do. I think the Chargers are, you know, you start to look toward the end of the season and see a team start to kind of get it and play better. And I I did their game against Miami out at SoFi. You were. We were out there hanging with me. We we're the hanging booth. out, and um, I, I like now their defense worries me a little bit. They don't have a great running game either, so they're kind of living. And you got to have you got to have Williams and Keenan Allen healthy. Yeah, I mean that that's one of those fingers crossed every week uh, for you there because Austin Eckler reminds me of the the Marshall Falk era of running the ball and then being it's Christian McCaffrey, same thing, running the ball in the backfield or being a mismatch. You know, whether you're lining up in the slot or out like a wide receiver, Eckler's been unbelievable. He has over 90 catches now. So I like their offense a lot. I like Herbert a lot. Um, Their defense, like I said, their defense actually played really well against Miami. Their coverage was really good. And Derwin James was out and Day on the D-line was out. So they were missing two of their top players, and they played pretty well. My biggest worry and why I think Tennessee has a chance to cover this weekend is just because they're going to go at the part of the Chargers defense that still stinks. Yeah. Like Sebastian Joseph today is supposed to be back and yeah. available to them. Boy, He's been they back in practice. Him. But that one man doth not make a great uh, run defense. They still haven't been, you know, they're better than last year where they were dreadful and non-compete. Yep. But it's still not great. And you're right. They were great in coverage, but Tennessee's not going to be able to throw the ball anyway. Traylon Burks, I believe, is still in concussion protocol. They're, so they might be without him in this game. Their passing offense is horrific. All they have is Derrick Henry to run the ball, right? But that might be all you need in this game now because the Chargers are, I think, hoping they're going to get Trey Pipkins back at right tackle. Yeah, that, go a long their way. old line has been a mess. Corey Lindsley just came back. He was concussed. Obviously, you lost the kid on the left side early on. Yeah, Slater. Slater, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, their old line has, has, has been a little so – had some issues too. Yeah, so I, I just – I worry because their offense still doesn't want to push the ball downfield. You guys mentioned the stat in yeah. there. They're near the bottom of the league in air yards per attempt. A little over Lomb- six yards, yeah. Lombardi doesn't want to push the ball downfield even with these weapons. That's why I would imagine Eckler has so many balls yep, is yep. because – Agreed. Unless Justin Herbert breaks contain and does it by his damn self – which he can do, yeah. Which he did a lot against the Dolphins. So I, I think they're good enough to to sneak into the playoffs. Chargers, yeah, I think so too. I just worry about this one because it's so matchup specific for the worst thing that they do as a team. Yeah, I would which agree. Is with defend that. the run, defend the run. Yeah. Um, the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. 
New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. A lot of NFL football this weekend. Very excited yes, about all that. We mentioned all the clinching scenarios here, but we also mentioned that this is a mailbag pod. You guys were kind enough to get us some questions in this one. Super producer Aubrey is going to pick from these uh, questions and try and give us some good ones to answer before we give you guys some picks to finish off the podcast. All right. So coming off the NFL, I think we are going to do one from Kyle Courtney, uh, which is better to be a head coach who just got fired, but had a fully guaranteed guaranteed contract of an additional 40 million or a journeyman backup quarterback who plays one to two games a year and makes an eight to 10 million contract annually. What are we thinking here? Chase Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, seeing him in the flesh last weekend at that game was like seeing, you know, Jesus in the flesh or seeing a rock star in the flesh. I was awe inspired at what that man's pulled off. I would probably say, give me the 40 million and I don't even have to show up at the facility anymore. At least the backup quarterback still got to show up. He's still got to go through all week of practice. He's got to do all that and potentially may still get in the game, you know, and have to go out there. You're a coach that gets canned, man. You can just go sit at home, collect your 40 mil. I would probably be in that camp as well. I think this is also a season of life question because if you're the backup quarterback making 8 to 10 mil, you're also an NFL player, and you're likely a well-known enough one right. to That's get true. some things done for you, to have it benefit you in other areas if you want to go out and have the big social life and all that. But if you do want to just be able to hang out at home, go fishing, do whatever the hell you want, 40 M's to be a coach without a job is pretty, and, it's pretty low. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to get another job. You're, you're going to get hired again somewhere, whether it's, you know, if you have to go back to college or whatever, you're, you're going to get hired again. Well, and that's the part two uh, to this question also that I saw when it was tweeted was why do coaches go back? Why do these guys go back when you can just spend time with your family? And I can out? tell you that because they're nuts. Yeah. I, and listen, the, the, it's a crazy breed. I, I said that to when I retired Bud Carson, the late great Bud Carson. If you don't know Bud Carson, Google him. This is a man that got the steel curtain going back with the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day. He was the best D coordinator I ever had. I had him in Philadelphia. And then he went from Philly to the St. Louis Rams. And when I retired, he called me and he said, do you want to, he goes, I think you'd be a good coach. Do you want to, I can make you an assistant D line coach and you can get in the business and blah, blah, blah. I said, Bud, I love you, man. I said, but I get to practice. You're already there. I leave practice. You're still there. I said, and you Wikipedia, any coach, and you're going to see 5, 10, 15 moves oh. that they had to make. And at that point, you were five. Jake was four. Sydney was just born. And so it wasn't the time that I wanted to say, okay, I'm going to start this nomadic life 
to start moving around. Because I, I think I would have liked coaching, and I think I could have been a pretty good coach. Like, like if I was in the Jeff Saturday position now, where somebody came <laughs> and said, you know, when, when Brian Kelly left before, before they hired Marcus Freeman, which was a great hire, don't get me wrong. But if Jack Swarber came and said, hey, Mike, you want to take over the team for a year until we get kind of situated? Hell yeah. Yeah, my kids are grown. My kids are gone. I'll go do that now. It'd be a lot of fun. But back then, I didn't want to do it. Coaches are crazy. They're crazy. I mean, that that's just it, they. It's almost like if they stop, they deteriorate physically. I mean, it's it's well, a wild thing. We always talk about athletes being creatures of habit. I think they're the worst of it because even when the athletes go home, usually the coaches are still yes. there long before, yes. and long after. They work such insane hours. I remember distinctly a conversation when I came in the first time it clicked for me was the first time I came back and talked to my college coaches and heard about guys that were paying mortgages on houses from two jobs ago still because they hadn't been able to sell it yet. And you just see it affects everyone in every part of your life the way you go through that but these dudes are crazy i remember when we used to work with herm edwards before he went back to arizona state would talk about missing the feeling of the clicker in his hands in a dark room and the grass under his feet like these guys are just in it for so long and you have to shovel so much shit to get to the top level that i'm sure part of it too i remember hearing a quarterback one time whether it was like breeze or manning or one of those guys say why they kept playing so late it's because i have the answers to the test now and i'm still good enough to go out there and yeah, do it yeah i'm sure for a lot of coaches once you get late in your career you feel like you know a lot that can help you be successful you didn't have as a younger coach and so you want to just keep sticking around it's addictive yep yep so for me and mike it's the 40 beans to go away <laughs> we got uh we have another one is baker mayfield destined to become the next ryan fitzpatrick Ooh. Boy, I'm glad it was put that way. And is he destined to become one of the best quarterbacks in the league? Because we, we, I mean, we've seen great Baker, horrible Baker, injured Baker. And and to your point, Aubrey, what you talked about earlier, we're prisoners of the moment. He takes him on a 98 yard drive. We're like, Oh my God, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It was a hell of a drive, hell of a game, but you know, we'll, 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 you know, jury's still out. Well, I think that was more just like, an impressive anomaly because you know, like coming in with two days and that was amazing. He had 20 reps in practice, that 20, was... 20 reps in practice to be able to go out there and display anything. And there were hiccups. You saw plays in the backfield yeah. where they mistimed handoffs, which you would expect with that little time. But for him to come in and do that was amazing. It was, and it was really fun. And I think that's the important part of this comp with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was what I wanted for Jameis Winston. I thought Jameis Winston had a chance to be the next Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, it seems like injury may change some of the story in Jameis Winston's career trajectory a little bit. Was injured last year and missed time. Obviously, has been dealing with the back and a bunch of stuff that led Andy Dalton in. But it's a quarterback who is talented enough to be effective in limited doses, who is reckless enough to go out there and be able to live on the edge and get you through situations, and is going to end up playing for a lot of teams. And at this point, Baker is starting to check a fair amount of those boxes because he is good enough to go and strike lightning in a bottle. He is clearly he's got enough natural ability to walk out there without knowing Dick all of the playbook and just be able to freestyle with these guys and big personality going to go in there and headbutt the shit out of his teammates with his helmets off. He is starting to flirt with that paradigm. I, I agree. He is. And then I think what it comes down to is, does he want to do that? You know, does he want a, a, a basically a gift shop in his basement of all the jerseys of the teams he played like Ryan Fitzpatrick has. I, in fact, I just ran into Ryan Fitzpatrick at the um, airport the other day and we were chatting about his gig and stuff. And, and the fact 
that he did all he did. He's got seven kids, seven kids. And, but he still jumped around from team to team, you know, cause he still wanted to do it. So I don't know the want to of Baker to do that, to go different team to team. I think he could do that. I think whenever you're a high pick quarterback, you're always going to get the opportunity somewhere to be a backup and have a chance to possibly be a starter at some point going somewhere and being handed the starting job is going to be over and you have to decide, do you want to go to this team, go in knowing you're the backup and wait to see if the starter gets hurt, if I'm going to play. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know his, his family situation. I mean, I don't know uh, as far as kids, you know, is he going to want to move around and stuff like that? I don't know. I think Baker is actually closer to this. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick also, like, in those situations, competitive and wanted to be on the field. Miami competitive and wanted. Yeah. He ended up getting on the field in yeah, all he those did. spots. He did. And I think Baker's got some of that same shit to him. So I think Baker Mayfield can absolutely become the next Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's the perfect chaos agent to go around and play all-time backup QB at spots like this. That because, like the Rams. to your point, he'll think he can play at those places. Yes. 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 And the other request I have is, while we've got this lightning in a bottle, Saturday Night Live, let this man host. He would be the greatest athlete host that Saturday Night Live has ever had. I wish they would find – the other thing is I wish he would stick in one city so they could start the commercials again. I think you just do it wherever he goes. If there's renter's insurance, I would just start to get it oh, on that. Oh, that's a good idea. I think you start to pub that. SoFi, if you don't have Baker living in the stadium for the rest of the season for yeah. some insurance company, making a huge mistake. It's a good Free idea. advice. It's a Free good advice. Idea. There you go. Charlotte okay. missed out while he was here. Yeah, that's exactly Telling right. You. Should have had something. Telling Agreed. You. We'll switch it over. Uh, it may. So this person said this is not coming from me. It may be a lazy question, but Marcus Freeman, year one report card. Um, Marcus Freeman, year one report card. Oh. I'd probably say B plus. I, I would be in the B range, maybe not a B plus, maybe a B, B minus to a B. I think some of that would be in the B range. I think some of that's going to be dependent. So uh, the early signing window we, we December 21st is when the early signing window goes. And I think factoring in how the recruiting cycle finishes up for the 23 class as the recording of this podcast, I think the 24 seven composite had Notre Dame as the number five class. In right. This one seems like it's tracking for like a back end of the top 10 class, which would be very good sure. and would be an improvement. Most of the times we were in the teens in the last right. decade or so. And so I think factoring that in because you saw him get better as the year went along. Definitely you did. saw him clearly learn about some of the in-game <laughs> mechanics, the decision makings of being a head coach, but also just the team clearly improved in so many areas. Quarterback got yep. better. O-line got better. Defense had young players step up. And, like, you don't get a Ben Morrison without having capable coaching in there to get your freshman ready and coached up. And oh, so listen. I think for all those reasons coming in, starting off the way he did too, and for coaches and players – to rebound and recalibrate yeah. mentally after starting the season 0-2 and, and having the loss to Marshall and then having the setback against Stanford. Those are embarrassing moments for a team in a program that thought they were past that. And so for them to all adjust and make that switch and finish the way they did, I thought was really impressive. They did get better. There's no doubt about it. If you want to throw the recruiting in there, that certainly ups his grade because he's a phenomenal recruiter. Where the plus came from. I mean, a and phenomenal. handsome. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, my God, yes. He's, he's a, a good-looking young man is what he is. You said it. Uh, no, he absolutely, absolutely <laughs> is. So, I mean, yeah, you throw recruiting in there and it's up with Mike's grade toward a B plus, but I, I, I would imagine he would give himself, I, I bet. What do you think he'd give himself? He'd probably give himself a C. 
he'd probably give himself i mean just uh, because again like you can sit here and what if right you hadn't lost to marshall and stanford games that were infinitely winnable based on the talent that you had on your roster absolutely so were. i'm sure those are going to haunt him but I think there's a lot to be proud of the way they finished. I, I think there's a lot to be proud of the way you come back from those losses, the way you finish the season. Um, and, and now I think we all know they, they got to go get a quarterback. Yeah. That, now that's the that, portal that's, that's got to happen. That's going to be the other part of this yep. is what Notre Dame does in the portal this off season. They made it abundantly clear. They were going shopping. That's mm-hmm. why you had drew pine opt to hit the transfer yep. portal. So, and can we stop with the people ripping drew pine or any player that goes in the portal and and get and throw out the tweet. Oh, he's not tough. He can't handle the competition. Running from the grind. Shut the hell up. Just just stop it. You have no idea what you're dealing with when players have four, five, and in the case of the last two years, you can have six years to try and get on the field and show what you can do. He sees the writing on the wall for next year. He's not going to be the quarterback at Notre Dame next year. He, he's not unless there are some injuries again. That's the reason he got on the field this year. He's not going to be the quarterback next year. And players know before anybody else, when there's that writing on the wall in the locker room, the players know what that writing is. The players know where they stand. So Drew is doing what he needs to do to try and go play somewhere, and I have no issue with that at all. And that was communicated clearly by all parties. I appreciate in this era what Marcus did. And I've talked in the past with Mac Brown at North Carolina about this last year before their bowl game. And he said, if someone doesn't want to be here, we want to help them get to where they want to go because that's the promise that we made those guys in recruiting. And listen, I don't know Mac Brown well enough to know, you know, if that's total sincerity, if part of that is understanding. Right. But that is, I think, going to be the way in this portal era that you recruit your own players, that phrase we hear all the time, by being honest and keeping promises and making sure you're transparent so that word of mouth among players is pretty kind to you right there are going to be players that rush into this that are doing it for the wrong reason oh and make mistakes without question thousand plus players that jumped into the portal last year yeah but there's also a lot like you mentioned there are so many varied situations that trying to paint this with a broad brush is going to be a fool's errand for anybody involved leave the kids alone let them make their decisions yep well that was one of the questions too um was who really benefits from the transfer portal um we had a question they they said it seems like a well-intentioned way to not recruit kids off teams um, but it's turned into a way to recruit kids off teams with nil money Um, but also there's been the argument where this is really great for student athletes but it's it's bad for the team and it's difficult for the coaches it is i mean it's definitely harder for the coaches definitely I think part of the complication is also what NIL started as and the idea and what people should have seen coming, which is college football, especially figuring out a way to weaponize that college basketball has been right there too in the things that have been going on under the table, because now too, for coaches until recently, the schools couldn't have contact with these NIL collectors that's starting to change. And you've seen some big time programs, tweeting out and supporting those and trying to direct fans and alumni towards that. But before you couldn't necessarily have direct contact. And so it felt like you lost control and dad, you know, there's one thing that coaches love to maintain it's control over every little part of their kingdom. And so that was hard for them. I honestly think the one thing that doesn't get talked about enough if you want to talk about hard for coaches, because the players benefit, the players finally had the freedom that their Absolutely. coaching counterparts have had for years. They will continue to benefit overwhelmingly from this. And some won't, like we said, there's going to be some going situations be where Without guys leap yeah. before they look and end up having to drop down a right. level. Don't end up having yep. spots. But the thing I would imagine most coaches would want more clarity on is 
the COVID year, which has been a nightmare for roster construction for so many of these guys and the recruiting calendar, because they essentially have lost the month of June because of the way that the pandemic changed the recruiting calendar and how they had to operate when players couldn't come on campus. And you talk to these staffs about what's going on in the summer for them at various programs. And these guys are hosting official visits all the time during that everyone's coming on campus and they don't have a moment to breathe in the time of year that's supposed to be that chance you get to get away and spend time with your family. I, I think that's a more important thing to get a handle on is the recruiting calendar because the COVID years are going to end. They're going to end with, I think, I think one more class, uh, one or two more classes. Well, in theory, it should be 2026 because it started in 2020. So the freshmen then would right. be the ones that had the bottom year. line is there's an end date to it, right? There's an end date to it. Yeah. So I, I, I think getting the calendar down because the early signing period, you're call, we're calling it an early signing period. That's a major signing period now. I mean, you can call it early all you want. We got the period coming up in what a couple of weeks, right? It's, uh, it's coming up the 21st. The 21st, up, yeah. the early period. This, this, this is the real period. Which I would be interested in. I've seen a lot of people campaign for that to be changed also. Mm -hmm. Just because now as it lines up with, the transfer portal, since now we have two defined dates of one in the winter, one period, and one in the spring, one period, where you can hit the portal. I do wonder if at some point there's going to be a little bit of a schematic overhaul to the recruiting calendar. I think there has to and be. That, and this part yeah. of it specifically, signing day and the portal, just to try and line that up better to give these guys a better chance at roster construction. Because it is a lot different for coaches now. I'm not begrudging that it's different or harder for them. I'm just saying that I don't care if it's harder because now players are finally getting a taste of what I think they've deserved for a while. Yeah, and, and the, the biggest change is obviously the transfers that aren't fifth-year seniors, because fifth-year seniors could always come in and play right away, right? And then you have the 18-year-olds you're recruiting out of high school. That's been the norm forever. Now it's the other players that fill in the slots that may have a few years left. You know, what's going to bring them to your team? Does NIL come into that then? You know, how many more years do they have? That, that can change a lot, too, for – an 18-year-old, if he's looking at a school and you think those players, you, you know, when you're 18, you're an incoming freshman, you're looking at the classes ahead of you, who's in my position? You know, when are they graduating? When are they leaving? Well, now you don't know. You know, now a guy could be there an extra year or two that you didn't figure he might be. Well, and now a guy could get plucked in at your – I mean, honestly, it's, exactly it's, right. plucked it's into just your like position, the NFL right? where they yes. tell you going into training camp, you're never putting out tape for just our team. You're putting out tape for all 32. And conversely, the team is looking out, not at just the positions on our roster, but every player at your position in football who could potentially be released, who could potentially be traded for, and could potentially come free. That's now from the player side what college football is going to become, where if you're not performing up to snuff, they're going to go looking in the portal for your replacement. That's, yeah. I mean, we just talked about it with Drew Pine. This literally, it's literally like free agency in college, right? With, with, yes. with, with actually even a bag of money could be attached to it with an NIL deal. Truly. Well, that was, that was my question and my thought process was, how do you keep this from just being about players wanting to transfer schools? Because I think if they go from school A to school B, they're going to get better deals or more money because that school is more of a household name or that school is known to have better players or better this. I think that it's always the, that's going to be a part of it. And it should be, I yeah. hope these guys take the money that's there for them to take make the right opportunity. Now. Cause for some guys physically, you won't match up with what the NFL wants. It's going to be fascinating to watch what happens with Bryce young when it comes to the spring. Like he's, he's going to be a top end first round pick. Oh, yeah. So small. Very and small. we're going to start to really nitpick yep. through all of that. And, but 
even not with him, like go back to Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel's most lucrative years were when he was in college. Yes, it was. And we know that, you know, he clearly made some money while he was there. He's told us firsthand on some right. of that. But he was a star. He was a guy that won the Heisman, what, as a sophomore? And so you think about what his earning potential could have been there because these guys, the way the sport has become professional around them, this if this is your best earning window, go out there and make as much as you can in that time period. I'm not going to begrudge you, but I'm also not going to act like it's the sole factor for every guy in making those decisions because these guys still want to go where they're going to get coaching that's going to get them to the nfl that's why lincoln riley no matter what bag usc is throwing at guys if you're a quarterback the guys made three heisman winners that have all gone on to lucrative pro contracts that stuff is still going to matter your comfort in certain places drake may is a great example at north carolina yeah. i don't know if he'd think about going portal hopping in the spring but that's a guy that grew up with north carolina tar heel stuff in his blood and doesn't seem inclined to leave even though they had no one to really block for him and the one guy he threw to is going to go to the nfl now so there's still other factors that are going to seep in there, but go get the bag. I don't really care. And th there are other factors in there. And, and like you say, if, if you're going to, if you're trending NFL, the bag may not be as important to you as where you're playing and who you're playing right. for, because you're looking to be bred for the next level, coached for the next level. That's right. Because nobody's going to make in college, if they go to the NFL, what they can make in the NFL, it's just not going to happen. So, I, I think teams, schools, they have to play the game. I mean, too many times I think they fight it and and say, okay, this is now loud. Okay, and we're kind – they're kind of dipping a toe in it. The teams that jump feet first and say, okay, man, hey, boosters, get some money together. You know, this is all legal now, so all the shit you did under the table, it's all legal now. Get us a war chest. Let us, you know, give this kid a job or whatever and yeah. let him make some money. Let, you you got to play the game. I mean, and, and you can, and listen, at the end of it all, for the most part, I say for the most part because there have been guys that have come into college, never stepped foot on the field and were getting big deals. Bryce Young was one of them, yeah. right? And and I love how people said Nick Saban coyly said that at a at a gathering of coaches. He didn't coyly say shit. He announced that, like, come to Alabama You'll get a bag before you even step on the field. I mean, but for the most part, coaches are right when they say, listen, that NIL is all good, but the better you play, the better player you are, the better bag you can get for NIL. That's what Saban's always done is, and he's kind of the poster for use whatever the current circumstances yes. are to your best advantage. And, and good for him. Yeah, and it's not going to be for everyone, and some older coaches are going to decide they don't want to deal with right. this shit anymore. There will always be guys to step in and take that opportunity. Coaches that grew up with this being the norm the way that most will now and that are willing to accept that as a part of the job. Do you think then, too, because I was wondering about all of this. So, obviously, there's been a lot of talk that, like, Georgia is the new Bama Yes. Um, and people are wondering if Bama will still come out number one after this. Is is there going to be a discussion between like legacy, but also like who's doing the best at the moment? So it's interesting because Alabama right now, we talked about those 24 seven composites, I believe has the number one recruiting yes, class they this do. year. Yep. And, you know, Texas A&M, we saw the highest ranked recruiting class in the history of recruiting rankings. So since they started awarding stars and points, last year's was the best that they had ever seen this Bama class is, you know, probably not there, but pretty damn close by right. most accounts. So I think it'll just depend because Nick also is getting old now. 
like Nick's in his seventies at this point. And so we say that like, he can't do it forever. And the joke was, he was just going to keep doing it. And he was going to be a cyborg with his head in a glass jar on top of a robot on the sideline. Well into, you know, the year 3200. But I, uh, I think it'll just be like, I think they'll be able to adjust. I think that Alabama has always recruited well enough depth wise, where even in these down years, when you start to see some of the things change around them, I give Nick Saban the benefit of the doubt for now saying he's been good enough to navigate those things going all the way back to last off season, navigating the change was part of why he came at Jimbo publicly in that, um, in that setting where it was, I forget what rotary club or whatever, but right. it was Alabama boosters in the room. And he was making all those points about Jimbo Fisher, not to really, you know, he, probably delights a little bit in pissing off Jimbo Fisher because it seems like they got that kind of relationship, but it was to signal to everyone in that room. Like, yeah, we got to fill the war chests up more. Like this has to get better in the way that we approach this. If you want us to keep stacking these championships, maybe we have seen the best of Alabama at this point because they have already absorbed and changed a lot, but I'm going to be late to the party rather than the early, the party I'm, with Nick. I'm going to be real late to the party. And the reason why is they're always going to have an opportunity. So tell me right now out of the final four, how many teams Bama would be favored over? Oh, no, I... I no, 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 I, I have a point I'm going to get to. They'd probably be favored over... Everyone but Georgia. Right, right, okay. But they didn't make it, and everybody was clamoring, get the best four teams in there. Alabama's one of the best four. They should be in there. They'd be favored over these teams. We're not going to have to worry about that anymore. Bama can have two losses, and they're going to get in. They expanded the playoffs. Bama, they're going to be in it now. Every year, they're going to be in it and have a chance to win the national title. So even when they have a down year like this year of two losses, they can still, and Nick Saban can still, and I believe he will, prove that he still has the best team when you get through the playoffs. I think it will be fascinating to also watch the way teams like Nick's does. And I'll be curious with Kirby, too, because he always used that massive break time in between end of conference championships and the beginning of the playoff, then the BCS, better than most anybody. And that time is going to whittle down now that we've got an expanded playoff. So just something I'm interested in seeing. But I'm kind of with you. That'll be the that'll be the interesting part of the playoff is if we get one of those teams that slips right. and can be dangerous on the back half. Because most people think of the back half as the group of five, Notre Dame, right. the right. TCUs of the world that are on the come up and not maybe one of those that all of a sudden slips. It is going to be a pretty solid SEC tilt, which is yes, why a lot is. of those other conferences were resisting this to begin with. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. And we have one last question. We're ending on a fun note with these. If you could only have one appetizer at a sports bar for the rest of your life, what would it be? And we're going to exclude wings here. Wings cannot be an option. Hmm. One app. One app. One app, one tap. Um. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I, I do like, like, 
you know, shrimp cocktails or lobster, you know, something. Oh, wow. Bougie. I'm going boo, yeah. but I'm not going there. I, I, I was going to go think... fried pickles. I feel bottom of the barrel now. Fried, fried pickles, pickles are good. Are probably fried pickles. I got a good dipping yeah. sauce with them. But I'm Absolutely. not going to go those. I think I'm going to go with some sliders. Oh, sliders are a good one. Yeah. Sliders are a good one. I would say mm, one appetizer for the rest of your life is different because what I was getting ready to say until I remember for the rest of your life is if you got really good jalapeno poppers, I'll Ooh, follow yeah. you to the gates of hell. I <laughs> love a good jalapeno popper. I, I, I'm with you on that. I'll still go with my sliders. Over the, uh, listen, there's a lot of apps we'll eat. I mean, <laughs> you know what? Honestly, if you give me one for the rest of my life, I want something that's going to have a little bit of girth. I want something that's high in flavor. Does queso count as an appetizer or is that just a dip? It's no, an appetizer. I mean, you, yeah. when you're looking at appetizers, there'll be queso and chips. Yeah. You could get loaded queso. They have queso that has, you know, like chorizo, bacon. Oh, honestly, you just said the word that brought me to where I need to go because I, uh, I was thinking about mozzarella sticks, but that's a little bit too much heartburn for yeah, the rest of my I, life. Yeah. <laughs> loaded nachos. Ooh, yes. It's just enough substance. Trash can nachos. Yeah, you get trash can nachos. It's just enough substance. There's usually a protein in there. You can get a little bit of spice. It's got some salsa. It's the best parts of chips with a little more ass to it. And I love my appetizers to have some ass to them. That's a good one. I, I would I would like that. It'd be messy. You'd be you'd be eating messy apps the rest of your life. It's fine. It's a sports um, bar app. No, it's not no, supposed I, to be clean. I, I I I could live with. I'm still going with sliders, but that's a good one. What what would you What would you have? Yeah, what well, Aubrey? What's your? Would pick? you do the fried pickles? Besides, I don't know. Fried pickles is just it seems so plain, so bland. But it's good. I that's a great. I would you say like fried it. pickles have a ton of flavor yeah. to them. I especially with a what good about, dipping like, sauce. Popcorn popcorn chicken's an app, right? Oh, how about bang bang shrimp? Ooh, oh, the bang, 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 the bang, bang. I was just at the place we go to out in Arizona called the Living Room having oh, okay. dinner, and they have as an appetizer bang bang shrimp. Oh my! But God. I only eat the tiny shrimp though. Yes, they're like they're tiny. Shrimp. Yeah, these these are bang bang shrimp with a tiny breaded yeah, shrimp with a great I sauce. This, I mean, we're back in South Bend. We used to go to Bonefish Grill. Bonefish for the, the bang bang. Yeah, just absolutely ruins some bang bang. Oh shrimp, my so. God! Wow. All right. Wow. Solid ending there. Good choices good. all around for everybody <laughs> here. That worked. Um, all right. Uh, before we uh, round out the end of this podcast, it's Friday, so we do picks here. I'm going to have to tweet out picks for the next couple of weeks while we're doing the recorded shows in okay. here. Uh, I do my six thick picks, uh, three college, three pro. And we're getting started with bowl season this weekend. Yeah, where are they? Start, uh, they start tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh we get bowl games starting on Friday tomorrow. And the first one, Steve Levy. One of the greatest things that anyone has ever pulled off. Yep. Getting the Bahamas Bowl every his year. contract yep. to run play-by-play every year. God love that man. The Bahamas Bowl kickstarts things um, to start it off, but uh, that one, Miami of Ohio and UAB in that game. UAB, Trent Dilfer. Yeah, the fighting taking Trent over, Taking over next year, yeah. The fighting Trent Dilfer's in that game. Um, that line, uh, 45, I'm going under on that one. Miami of Ohio going to be without their quarterback. UAB making the coaching transition. Both teams' offenses, slow as shit, want to just run the rock. I wow. think UAB has a chance to run all over them. That offensive line will bloody your nose. And Miami of Ohio, I don't believe, stops the run very well. So I'm going to go under 45 you, on that you, one. You find out a lot about people and their gambling habits. When you're gambling on bowl games, gambling on bowl games 
in this day and age, man, you got to do some research because oh. players that are skipping it. My brother in Christ, I, I mean, got a oh, whole Google Doc. Oh, oh, I know. Isn't that a great? great that's a great. I know. I have the same one. It's a great. It's a great doc. Yeah. So, yep. um, all right. So I'll go under forty-five on that game. There, uh, points going to be at a premium. It's supposed to be pretty windy down there in the Bahamas too. It's a so warm factor that wind, in. No. It's a nice, warm it's a wind. beautiful warm wind. Oh. Speaking of uh, less than warm, the Fenway Bowl. That's not going to be warm. The Fenway Bowl is going to be such a mishmash of who the hell is coaching and playing. How long game. have we had the Fenway Bowl? We've had the Fenway. So the Fenway Bowl, as long as we've had it, I don't believe has ever been played. I think two times it's been a pandemic casualty, and then uh, it's been leading up to. Were it. they trying to copy the Pinstripe Bowl? Yes, just because the Yankees were getting one, yes. Fenway felt they needed so one. So it's I would say it's been one of those that's been canceled, I believe, for one okay. reason or another in the last two years they've had it. So I don't think we've actually played a Fenway Bowl yet. So third time is the charm. Um, and that being said, Cincinnati and Louisville, this is the keg. Oh, the coaches, yeah. Well, it's a keg, <laughs> so it's a renewal of an old rivalry, the keg and nails game. Yeah, that's which true, is awesome. right? And then it's the coaching tryst yes. that you've got here. Because Scott Satterfield, who everyone could see going back to last year, didn't seem like he wanted to be right. in Louisville all that much, now goes over to the Cincinnati job. That's Luke amazing. Luke Fickle is heading over to Wisconsin, so he's not going to be there. Satterfield knows this is going to be weird, so he's refusing he himself, himself from right. coaching this game. And so actually coaching in this game, we've got Kerry Combs, the interim, uh, the interim head coach for Cincinnati, their special teams coach. He's staying on in this game. And then for Louisville on their side, their player development director, Super Bowl champion Deion Branch. How about be that? Taking over as the interim head coach for this game. Wow. Jeff that's Brom obviously very coming cool. in. The right, prodigal right. son returns home after leaving Purdue. But you look across the board in this game. Um, ben Bryant, the quarterback for Cincinnati, has been out since November with a foot injury. Malik Cunningham, the quarterback for Louisville, is opting out for the NFL draft. Right, right. He's been their all-everything guy everything, for the last yeah. God knows how many years. Um, you look on the Cincinnati side, and uh, tight ends sitting out the game. Most of their good wide receivers are either sitting out for the NFL or in the portal. Nothing and nobody in this one. I've got no basis for it. Give me Cincinnati plus one. I, in this game. I, I, even I, think, I think they just figured out. I think Malik Cunningham was too much of the offensive responsibility for Louisville for me to trust them going forward. That's the only coherent analysis I can give you. Good on you. It's got to be like throwing a dart with all the, you know, coaches that want to play young players. Cause now what I do like, you know, the players can play four games and it doesn't count for a year. It used to be the first four of the season. Now it's four anywhere. So you save a lot of it for the poll game. Man, so to, to make these picks, that's a tough call. I said for most of these games, it's like spring game number one. Yeah, it counts a little more in my book towards what you're going to do next year than it is a capstone on this year because so much of the roster is going to change. Fifteen practices, it's like a first spring. Yep, you get ready for the winter workouts. Last one, I'll finish the Vegas Bowl. Oregon State minus ten versus Florida. This line has already moved something like five points because Anthony Richardson announced that he was turning pro for Florida. They're limping into this one. Oregon State gave USC hell this season. They did. Nine and three this year. I would agree with you. I know you're going to Oregon State. I'm taking Oregon State the points in this one. I I think Florida – I mean, we do this all the time, and I understand it's hard to legislate who does and doesn't want to be there, but I think you're going to have an Oregon State team that's just a little bit more motivated relative to circumstance and that didn't just lose one of the most talented quarterbacks in football, even if he's super raw. I would agree. So those are your three bowl picks. One quick note I have on the bowl before we get to the NFL. So you can't try and steal this. Neither one of you uh, for your show. There's a Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I didn't know you could, we were doing this. So the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. We, we are. We are. Uh, Jess and I are going for the Golik and Smetty Bowl next year. Wow. All yeah, right. Yeah. So presented by DraftKings. So you guys can't jump on this. Nobody can steal it. 
It was our idea first. So Golik and Smeddy Bowl presented by DraftKings. All right. There we go. We right. should, we'll... though. We should, though. Last we should. Bowl, it is me against you. Oh. Both, both of you. Oh. And ES, ESPN has now predicted that we will upset you. Yeah, no, I saw a bunch. I mean, listen, on paper, there's a lot of reasons to pick South Carolina to upset Notre Dame in this yep. game. Notre Dame's uh, now all-time leading sacker will not be playing in this. Nope. Isaiah Foskey, their all-time leading tight end, and Michael Mayer will not be playing. Nope. The quarterback, Drew Pine, won't be playing. No. Nope. So, uh, You're probably getting Tyler Buckner, the kid who started the season and missed all year, now coming back. To, yeah, there's, there might be a lot of reasons uh, why that might happen. We're, we still think Notre Dame's going to win that game and blow your team out, but, you know. What are you we'll going to do? We'll see. I'll rub my lucky, uh, my lucky Shane Beamer ball. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Jeez. By the way, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, Fresno State at Washington State uh, or versus Washington State. Fresno, three and a half point uh, favorite. Is that at SoFi? Um, yes, that is at SoFi, I believe. Oh, that's nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, so very excited on that one. That is uh, – It'd be really typical. nice if he was, like, commentating or, like, sideline reporting. They've brought him in to do stuff in the booth yeah, in the past. Yeah, they should do so that, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think they do get him in the booth yeah. or down involved on the sideline. So, that'll be a good uh, crew on that one. I believe that's McElroy, Tess, and Katie I George. I think so, on yes. Call yeah. on that one. We'll get, we'll get more into the, our alma mater's games uh, down the road here because that's not until <laughs> December 30th. Yep, we've got so, time we got on some that time. One, so. Uh, those are the college picks, uh, NFL picks for this coming weekend. Uh, I'm going to go Detroit plus one and a half versus the Jets. I like that. Pick. Uh, like that one a lot. Yep. Bengals minus three and a half versus Tampa feels weird because there's nothing that indicates that Tampa should be getting even that much love. I get the games at home, but it still feels kind of weird. Vita Vea is probably not going to play this weekend. Tristan Wirfs probably not going to tell play me this you're weekend. going with Cincinnati. Oh, hell yes. I mean, the most ridiculous thing I heard when San Francisco was playing Tampa Bay was, well, Tom Brady's 6-0 and against first-time starters or rookie quarterbacks. Who gives a shit? He's not playing against – he didn't play against Brock Purdy. You know, I mean, that's, that's – I hate when they do that. I said, this game's going to be a blowout, and it was. I mean, not that I was some rocket scientist for predicting that. You could tell by the way the two teams play. Cincy is going to cover that. Yeah, I would agree. Cincy minus three and a half works for me. I'm going Tennessee plus three against the Chargers. You are. I just think that's going to be a rock hmm. fight because of how Tennessee can run the football and how the Chargers just can't seem to stop that. I think it's just a bad matchup. I think the Chargers win, but I think it's close and ugly in this game. That Chargers offense isn't really built to blow people out. I blow. agree with that. That being said, I'm taking the Chargers, and I'll give you the points. All right, fair enough. Um, it was between that one. Uh, mm, do I want to take that one? Because I'm putting my name on these. My year-long record, 40, 48, and 3 on picks this season, doing six a week. Last That's week was big, went 5 and 1. 40, 48, and 3? Yeah. You suck. I know. It, listen, it's been a late-season charge, but I'm saying the stakes are higher now. I went 5 and 1 last week. I got oh, myself right. back into okay. the mix here. All right. And I'm flirting between Tennessee plus 3 or Cardinals-Broncos under 37. Oh, I'm predicting man. that to be like an Iowa Boom. football game. Boom. Oh, my God. Ooh, see, mm. Mm. What an awful game. I know. It's gross. It's so gross. Under what? Under 37. You think that's low? I think the Iowa, whoever Iowa's playing oh, the ball is like a, what, Iowa, 31? Kentucky, 32 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> 32 and a half. Iowa on their third string quarterback, Kentucky without Will Levis. It's going to be hell. That's the Sickos Bowl. I believe Iowa won the Sickos National Championship. Yeah. Shout out to the Sickos committee out there. You know what? I'm going to switch that up. I would take... Cards Broncos under 37 on that one. I'll leave Tennessee in the charge of the door and live to regret that. Yeah, I, I would I would switch to that one as well. Because if, uh, if you take um, 
Who are you taking over the chart? Tennessee, you're going to be wrong. So Yeah, no. I'm not, glad you changed. Not great, Bob. Not yeah, great. Whatever. All right. It has come time for us to try and round out this podcast here. I have to ask the question to myself as I look up the lyrics right now <laughs> to make oh, sure. Oh, God. For this, that, and the third. Oh, boy. Um, Aubrey, do we think Brandon's done Let It Snow yet? I don't think he has. I don't think he has either, so I'm going to do it right now. You're going to sing it? Go. Yeah. yeah, great song. Do it. Not between me. Listen, there's the <laughs> opportunity right here. All right, here we go. Mike, do you know what time it is? <laughs> oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping, and I bought me some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low, this, that, and the third, and the third. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you'll really hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. And the fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbying. But as long as you love me so, let it this, that, and the third. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us five How do you feel that you made such a star? Is it, isn't it incredible? It's pretty good, actually. You get a lot of compliments on this now. I can see why Brandon likes this. Ask him, good. though, where he got his singing voice from, and I hope he'll tell you the truth. Yeah, oh, no, it's 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 right next to me here. I mean, mm -hmm. shout out to mom. Does does her best, but it's mm -hmm. just not with the vocal yeah. talent. Everything yeah. else, good for mom. Yeah, just we, the, the vocal talent. We can me. ride with the microphone pretty well. Works works <laughs> pretty well. So, again, if you like it, five-star rating. It seemed to have done well for you. <laughs> it works somehow, some way. We got here. Um, all right, let us get to this uh and let's start it off uh with the ncaa again uh new ncaa president yes, stepping in that governor baker from yes. massachusetts taking over here um and interesting timing on this one it comes as there's actually a potential for at least in california the conversation about athletes as employees to start taking off the same day that this gets announced and I want to get this right. I saw this in a major development for college athlete labor rights. This from Daniel Libet, the national labor labor relations board region finds that USC, the PAC 12 and the NCAA are all employers or joint employers of USC football and basketball players. So there's a lot of steps to go before anything like this gets proved, but it is yet another entity stepping in and trying to point out that they believe the relationship between athletes and schools has now actually been employee for a long time and they've been getting away with it. Well, you know, what's going to happen. And if that goes union, Yes. What the Northwestern players tried to do a few years ago. Yeah. It will become, it, it will come to fruition. If You know if what that it feels like now. to me? Like very much like they waited to make weed legal until they could figure out how to monetize it. There you go. It very yep. much is giving those vibes to me. <laughs> they, they also seem to wait until it was going to be the new guy's problem too. Yeah, how about it? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I think for that guy, like, I think if we're going to see college football make that switch, it's going to be on this guy's watch. Well, now. well, it is, and and the NCAA has to grab a hold and and 
take some responsibility. All which, that, which has been the criticism of Mark Emmert, the outgoing oh NCAA president, that he just waited around for people to bail him out, that, constantly kick the can down the, the road on these problems, assuming he would get bailed out by the positions of power that have now abandoned them. Now they've had the Supreme Court yeah. and all these different government entities look at the NCAA and say, no, we're on the side of the players. What are you going to do yeah. about it? Listen, the funniest them. quote I saw was there was a quote where they, they literally were like, we specifically were looking for somebody with a political and a policy background. This is this is the first president that has not had a higher education or like an athletic background. Which should tell you a lot that they're just saying the quiet part loud. It's also why you've seen the last couple of conference commissioner choices that have been made, people with television backgrounds. Oh, yeah. Like absolutely with backgrounds in media coming in right on the cusp of negotiating these massive media. Absolutely. Pac-12. I, and I always. Pac-12 and the big, George Klyevkov. I, I, I talked to him out in Vegas and I'm running casinos. I mean, yeah. you know, a heck of a businessman. So listen, the NCAA has been the greatest punches pilot of all time. They're just washing their hands of things and pushing it onto somebody else. So it'll be interesting if they get teeth again. Well, I don't know what they would even do at this point to get teeth. My question, I think the biggest question I have here was some of the policy background have the wherewithal to look and say it's time for us to get in where we fit in and make ourselves useful in this new world order. Because if not, we've already heard conference commissioners and folks talk about a power five breakaway. And while it's going to take, I think, a lot of time and cooperation that hasn't necessarily been the demonstrated strong suit of those people, it's at least been stated out loud. And we know with these kind of people, when they say it out loud, they've already been thinking about it for a while. I I remember when me, you and wingo were doing our show and you you both think it was going to be a power five breakaway i don't think it'll ever happen i I do not think it'll because i do not think that those the commissioners especially or the powers that be can all get together enough and and agree unanimously on things i don't think it's going to have to be unanimous soon because you've also already heard people saying out loud things like the power two yeah. It is the Big, Big Ten, Ten and the SEC, SEC that are going to drive right. whatever happens next. And I think it's a lot easier for Kevin Warren and company to look down at the SEC and say, hey, maybe we can figure this out. Yeah, just know that Sankey is never going to take a, a, a words from anybody. He, he, well, he yeah, will never be told what I, to do in any situation. I guess I should say, Greg Sankey's probably going to decide what happens. Yeah, he, he is going to be the one, yes. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Look at the teams going to the Big Ten and then the teams that are also getting added to the SEC – it's like they're slowly just like collecting as much as they can until it's literally just. Yep. And they all want, and all the other teams want to be part of it. Yep. You know, they, they, they want to jump in collecting infinity stones at this point. So <laughs> college football gets its new punching bag for now. We'll see how long their NCAA has already been largely irrelevant to college football. We know it doesn't even govern its championships for anyone that right. somehow doesn't still know that. It's not an NCAA championship. They have nothing to do with it. College football has always been a little like lawless ragtag land that's kind of governed itself and somehow managed to survive this long. Uh, Let's get to that. Um, Guys, the Nickelodeon Christmas game is happening. I love that. The first regular season Nickelodeon broadcast is getting set to happen here. It's going to be Broncos Rams, which kind of sucks. That game. You want to talk about a game that will benefit from the Nickelodeonizing of the game? Because the on-field product is probably going to be terrible. They should make them play in slime. So, interesting one here. So, it'll be Sunday, December 25th. It's going to be the 430 Eastern game. This is what are going to be the potential things offered on the NFL Nickmas game. A special, this one is going to, for my brother and his wife, 
Special halftime show offering an exclusive look at Rubble and Crew, the new animated Paw Patrol spinoff that yep. premieres February 3rd. Rubble is the bulldog on Paw Patrol. Getting his own show. special to our family. Getting his own show. Getting his own show. Happy Good for Rubble. Him. It's incredible. Love that for Rubble. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. He's a great guy. Yep. Sturdy companion. Yep. So <laughs> that to look forward to. New holiday-themed augmented reality, so snowmen, gingerbread and stuff, the way they pop stuff and aug- uh, awesome. put it out on the field. Virtual cannons blasting snow and gifts and slime still onto the field and even special surprise guests and interactive opportunities for kids and families. Now, Aubrey, the real question becomes, who are some of these guests that may end up coming from Nickelodeon years I mean, I'm I'm a a 90s baby, so my mind automatically went to, like, the cast of all that, Keenan and Kel. Hopefully they were my favorites. They're out here pushing a reboot right now. I don't think anybody would invite Amanda Bynes um, not really children friendly anymore. Not really know what you're getting if she shows up. Yeah, <laughs> you, you really don't know. Um, I am excited. They're they're do, they're bringing in like different characters. The only one I recognize. There were a couple other ones, but I I don't know who they are. But Patrick Starr apparently is coming in virtually uh, to do some commentary. So I think that's exciting. Really? Yeah. See, so well, supporter. What I think the best thing would be for that booth is a Patrick star combo booth with Charles Barkley or Snoop Dogg. And I feel like, right. Like if you just put them into the booth, because Charles has clearly proven a bit of a universal solvent for booths as a Snoop Dogg, he did the Olympics. He's yep. done a bunch of different stuff. And what a style he has. Yes. Now I worry about the child, like, but I feel like both of them can also channel their child friendly <clears throat> portion. Charles would probably skew the line, honestly, more than Snoop more Dogg. than Snoop. I agree. I feel like I, Snoop Dogg would be able to compose I, I himself really well, given the circumstances. I, I agree. I think Snoop would handle it. The kid part better than, than Chuck would. Yes. But I would love to. Those two to me are must listen to broadcasters. Very, very few. And I call Snoop a broadcaster. Yeah. <laughs> but he did. When he did the Olympic stuff, it was awesome. I will say, who's always done a great job with this game, too? Nate Burleson, when they put him in. Nate, the booth, is, Nate well, well, Nate's phenomenal. Is in, like, yeah. you know, the Michael Strahan yeah. mold yeah. of yeah. guy who can do everything Nate's in fantastic. around sports. Yeah. Uh, how, gr- how, how much fun would we have doing this if we did that game? Oh, the Nickelodeon game oh, would be great because we did, they, they, we'd be the ones that they covered in Slime for the yes. broadcast. Yes. They know we were down <laughs> for whatever. Absolutely. Slime me. First play of the game. <laughs> I think um, they also give out the MVP trophy after the game, the Nickelodeon MVP, which I believe it's I th- voted on, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a fan yeah, vote. It's a fan vote. I think Mitch Trubisky won the MVP one year. I think that's like one of the major accolades that he's got on his resume. <laughs> so shout out to Big Buff Mitch on that. Yeah, boy. Um, all right. So, yeah, very excited. Love that game. Love that game. Uh, let's get to the third. Dad, I'm very curious for both of your guys' opinions on this. 13 years after the original comes out, James Cameron finally releasing Avatar, the second Avatar this weekend. I think it's like The Way of Water or something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something with water. Yeah. I have no earthly interest in seeing this movie. I and don't I'm know not disparag- I'm excited. I'm not disparaging anyone. I want to be clear. I just I can't find it in myself to get excited again. One, because if I remember correctly... So much of the original Avatar was about the appeal of the world created and the incredible CGI. 
We have that everywhere now. We've got more realistic Sharknados in 2022 than we did in years past. And so I don't know how much more they're going to be able to accomplish with that. And the other is, it was more or less the story of the Native Americans in America being robbed of their land when white people came over, is essentially what I remember about this movie plot-wise. Like, it wasn't some, like, original groundbreaking idea as far as what they actually put in the substance of these blue people. I mean, the thing is now is that they, I, I guess the movie was in like 48 frames. So it's way different than what normal movies are in. So it's more realistic. It'll take you out of reality. But uh, I, I think that's kind of where they're going with it. I And their $250 million budget. Uh, oh, my God. I don't think I ever watched the the first one all the way through. So I have I have no interest from that standpoint. Reboots are all well. This isn't a reboot. It's a it's a next yeah, chapter. Which apparently he said there's also like he's got like six more queued up. I, I, then, is he going to wait a decade and a half well, in between all those? Well, two? then you know what happens? Do we get to prequels? You know, it's always yeah. like sequels. Then we go to prequels. I feel like like, he's like just the Game of Thrones after. one, the Dragon House of Dragons. Oh, right. Which I mean, hell, well, he. I mean, again, he might just make House of Blue people. And, and listen, Star <laughs> Wars was all. Were you Aubrey? Were you a Star Wars person at all? That was full. That went the prequel route as well. Have I ever watched one all the way through? Oh, there's been ninety of them. So maybe one. Okay. Maybe one. The thing I do appreciate is James Cameron's got a very fuck you attitude as a director. Like when you're at his level, you can. Yeah. The one thing I still think he needs to answer for why the avatar people have sex and then communicate riding animals with the same attachment. Yeah. You that's know, like weird. Now that I think about it, it, it like attached, connects yeah. in these little fibers. Okay. I, they come out and I don't the same way that they that. have sex is the same way they ride animals. <laughs> and I just, I, 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 wish, I got questions that I feel like they got to answer. I wish I hadn't been told that. Let me yeah. just say that. <laughs> Let that one stick in your craw for a little I'd bit. I'd rather not. I'd rather not. Everyone enjoy Avatar 2. I'm sure it's going to make a shit ton of money, and everyone's oh, going to love lot. it. And I'm sure, you know what, at some point, knowing me, I'll FOMO my way into a theater maybe to go check it out. But at this point, I'm having a hard time getting up the urge. I wish everyone well who goes to enjoy that movie. At I least wish it's everyone- going 3D, and it'll be better. I feel like I don't really like wearing the 3D. I, I'm glasses. not. A, I'm not a big 3D fan. I like the I, I like the IMAX that wraps around. Like I'll I like the that. IMAX. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over 3D, I, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Someone called it the most expensive nature documentary ever. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna say, get high and watch Planet Earth. It feels like it might. <laughs> oh, I do this. dig that. Yeah. yeah exactly. Get high and listen to this podcast if you want to. And if you did, we appreciate you. Mm -hmm. If you did it sober, we appreciate you too. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, go to wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Check out Golik and Smetty wherever you get your podcasts as well. Great podcast with my dad and Jessica Smetana. Check out Star in Advance, the Golik Family Podcast. There it's you out go. there also. A thank you and a very happy holiday to Aubrey, who's done a fantastic job here hanging out with us. We hope Brandon is having a safe and wonderful move. And again, keep an eye out. Three podcasts a week for the next two weeks, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Some you know, one-off, some evergreen stuff. Great guests. You're going to love it. Thanks so much. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you in a bit.